We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Nick Moore snaps it. Jordan Stout holds it. Justin Tucker wins it for Baltimore. Uh, I still prayed, though, but I really didn't have no doubt, though, because I thank God we got Tucker on our side. We'll give credit to the guys who blocked, the guys who snapped, and the guys who held, but to the guy who kicked it. Yeah. And we all knew it was going through. Yeah. Justin Tucker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, just, I just said out there, trust. Trust in God. Trust yourself. Trust each other. See how good we're going to get. Trust on three. One, two, three. Trust. The GOAT, otherwise known as Justin Tucker, saves the day with a massive, massive Ravens win over divisional opponent, the Cincinnati Bengals. It pushes the Ravens into the AFC North lead, solely up there by themselves at 3-2, and two, followed by the Browns and Bengals at 2-3. and three. And don't you love to see it? The Steelers 1-4. I am Sarah Ellison. Alongside my partner, Bobby Trossett, we are here actually Monday morning. It is 12.35 a.m. Bobby, how good does it feel to be recording this podcast in the wee hours of the morning knowing that it's a Ravens win? My goal for this episode, Sarah, is for those tuning in to have zero idea when we're recording this because we're bringing the energy i'm jacked up right now i feel like it's 12 noon not 12 30 a.m this was a gut defining gut check dna defining win from a team that that was it must win no did they need it sure but like after all the talk after all the noise all week long after the calls for john harbaugh's head the questioning the criticizing the dissecting I felt like they took this personally tonight, and I think the defensive side of the ball led that charge, led by number 24, Marcus Peters. And was it pretty? No, 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 no. It was far from pretty and ugly at times, for sure. Was it perfect? Nope, it was imperfect. But as John Harbaugh always says, Sarah, and I feel like this is literally the epitome of it tonight, it's us. And us is good enough for a, meaning the Ravens, not us, us being the Ravens is good enough through five weeks to, as you said at the top, own sole possession of first place in the AFC North with the New York Giants looming up in New York, another trip to MetLife coming up. But ultimately, the defense put a stamp 
on this game. And I think, you know, since the Miami game, Sarah, has, has there been issues for sure. But the bottom line is this group is putting the offense in a position to win games week in and week out. And when you hold the reigning AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals to 17 total points, when you hold most teams league-wide to 17 total points and you have Lamar Jackson on the other side of the football, you're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, I mean, uh, it it would have been, like you said, it wasn't a must-win. It wasn't a must-win, but that would have been – uh, it would have been a another gut blow where you're you know you come off of that Buffalo loss and then to come against the Bengals against in and just a massive on prime time on prime time in a massive divisional game um, and, and that's why literally with division games I literally couldn't care less about style points why would you these division teams know each other so well. They know each other so well. So it's like win under any circumstances necessary. And I think John Harbaugh said it after the game. It is big. It's October. You don't win the division in October. But if you don't think the Ravens are going to see these guys, the last game of the season, if I'm not corrected, if I'm not wrong, Bobby, like I'm pretty sure it's week 18 that the Ravens and Bengals will see each other again, potentially with, you know, playoff implications there. And so to have this one under the Ravens belt in October, it's it, you, it's hard to understate. It's hard to understate the importance of it. So we got so much to get through. We got Justin Tucker to talk about. We got Lamar Jackson's up and down game to get to. Obviously comes in at the end when it was important. You mentioned the defense. I do think the defense had a stellar game. I still think there's a question uh, that rename, remains to be answered uh, with them. We got Ronnie Stanley to talk about, J.K. Dobbins, so much to get to. So let's start, obviously, with the GOAT. It, it, just, it just feels so good. I'll, I'll, let, me, let me put Justin Tucker in, in this way. We'll get to the fourth down decisions because both teams had fourth down de- decisions, and this time it was John Harbaugh who came on top. But I said to somebody tonight when they were like, when initially it looked like maybe it was wrong for John Harbaugh to take the points this time because then the Bengals went down and scored. Somebody said, it's insane. It blows my mind that he made that decision. And I said, why does it blow your mind either way? Because up until that point, neither the offense nor the defense has proven that, that they've earned anybody's trust. John Harbaugh's fans, anything. Neither one had proven that. But I'll tell you what who does prove it and who does earn it and who you say you put the ball on this man's foot in the fourth quarter seconds remaining overtime. It doesn't matter. The only person that has proven that they can be trusted nearly 100% when it's crunch time is Justin Tucker. No moment is too big for him. He's cold-blooded. He's detail-oriented. He is as thorough and insightful as it gets among all professional athletes, much less just kickers across the NFL. Four for four tonight, a long of 58. And ultimately, Lamar Jackson put the GOAT in a position to win the game, executing a two-minute drill, Sarah, less than two minutes. And uh, again, I, 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 I... He's so systematic and here he is too with a Wolfpack-less 
group, if you will. There's been a lot of change to his unit over the last couple of years. Morgan Cox departs in free agency to Tennessee a couple of years ago. And then obviously Sam Cook retires last year. He's got guys that are coming in, Nick Moore and, and Jordan Stout. As Justin mentioned in his postgame interview to NBC, he made sure to tout Jordan, being that this was his first game-winning NFL placehold. I mean, he's he's selfless and he's cold-blooded and he's so incredibly fun to watch. He's so insightful. He's one of the best interviewers out there. And, uh, and interviewees, I should say. And you better have time uh, on your sideline interviews for him because he ain't afraid to talk, partner. Well, let's look at some of these stats here. So uh, he started off with a 58-yarder. A 58-yarder. When I, That's not like – there's many coaches that only put kickers out there for 58-yarders when, like, it's what we just saw. Regu- like, time is running out. 58 58- – is so far away, but, you know, because he has the record of 60, what was it, 64, uh, 67? Now I'm forgetting what his record 66. is. I should know that. 66. Okay. So he's doing that in the first half. So that 58-yarder was Justin Tucker's 52nd field goal from 50 yards plus. Okay. That ties him. That tied him with Jason Hansen for the third most in NFL history. And he's got a lot of lot of games yet to play. Then, obviously, in the second half with this game winner, as time expired, that was his 19th career game winner. He is a perfect 17 for 17 on kicks in the final minute of regulation. In fact, I'm going to retract my statement then because I said you can trust him nearly 100% of the time with the game on the line. Turns out it's 17 out of 17. That's 100% of the time. 100% of the time. And then it was his 61st straight field goal in the fourth quarter slash overtime, which is, of course, the longest streak in the NFL. One last stat here, which is incredible to me. As we all know, when he hit that game winner, it looked right down the middle of the uprights, right? Well, according to Next Gen Stats, <laughs> this is bananas. His game winner crossed the upright, all you math people out there, with a Y coordinate at 26.52. Okay. The exact middle of the field goal uprights is 26.67. So, I mean, he's within a tenth. <laughs> of that that's how good he is that's how good he is he just really is mr automatic it's freakish pinpoint like accuracy that is sort of hard to fathom and we say this every year sarah like he's literally good for multiple wins like him him himself as an individual on this team he's literally good for multiple wins per every season and like some of them often have come against divisional opponents like very meaningful games obviously all games are meaningful but as we all know the divisional games are just a little bit more important and the fact that you can count on him for those not only makes you want him to be a raven for life and i think his recent contract certainly reflects that the front office feels that way as well but you know he 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 
he's not showing any signs of slowing down and who's to say that this guy can't go for another decade plus. So yeah, he's the greatest weapon in football aside from, you know, your obvious big playmaking quarterbacks and, and skill players around the league. But, and he is no secret. The, the secret is long, long gone. Nine is literally an institution in Baltimore. And that's why you see almost as many nine jerseys as you do eight. Well, I have one more thought on this. We'll move on to Lamar Jackson here. Um, <laughs> on that 58-yarder, the cameras, the NBC cameras got a close-up of him just looking up at the crowd and, like, soaking in the cheers. It just reminds me that scene from Jerry Maguire where, you know, Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character is, you know, hurt, and then he wakes up and people start to cheer for him, and he just doesn't want anybody to, like, steal that moment from him. I love that Justin Tucker can just like sit back and soak up these moments because nobody's football careers forever. So soak it up, goat. You just take in all those cheers as long as you can. We're, we're happy to give them to you. Okay. Let's, let's go ahead and move over to Lamar Jackson. I guess I'll just give it to you, Bobby. Like what, tell me what, what did you make of his play tonight? Well, for, first and foremost, I thought that, Cincinnati's game plan was executed well, as it was by Leslie Frazier and the Bills a week ago. Lamar finishes 19 of 32 in the passing department, 174 yards, uh, touchdown, and the interception for a passer rating of 71.6. On the ground, they kept him in check. He did lead the team in both carries and yards. He goes 12 carries for 58 yards, just along of 19. I just thought the middle part of the field, Logan Wilson comes to mind. He, he's just... They're very, very talented in space with him. And I thought they had a great game plan in keeping him just, again, that they reduced the chunk plays and they're so disciplined with the angles that they take and um, not allowing him to get to the second level often where he just obviously decimates teams week in and week out. But specifically with Lamar, you know, look, he, he had a several, if this was a loss, Sarah, if, if he wasn't able to bring that Justin down to field goal range there in the in the final two minutes of the game, to me, like without question, this loss would have been on him because he just seemed to be a little bit out of sync tonight. Uh, I mean, technically, it was last night based on uh, the almost being one a.m. Yeah. Eastern here on on Monday morning, but but uh, the egregious overthrows were like jarring to watch because. They happened to to Devin Duvernay, to Demarcus Robinson. I'm forgetting one other, but like, who who am I forgetting? Tylen Wallace was the biggest, you know, where he was wide, 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 wide open. Yeah. Tylen, to your point, you know, that was six right there. So this would have been on Lamar. And ultimately, he had a gut check moment. And when it mattered the most, even after a very up and down, imperfect night under center, he got it done and put his team in a position to win the game. And I, I feel like you know, that's why John Harbaugh spoke glowingly <laughs> of him after the game. That's why this team believes in him, because he's able to have a short memory after what had been. You, know, you could have easily gotten rattled based on the game you're having in front of a national audience, given all the storylines surrounding you as an individual and your future and, and whether or not you're going to be with the Ravens for a lifetime and the contract and all this stuff. Uh, but he's able to to channel that kind of put that in the back of his mind and deliver. And I just think it's the resolve, the will, 
advert you you tweeted it out tonight how are the how is this team going to respond getting punched in the mouth when he threw that fir- that first half interception to Von Bell which was another overthrown ball designed for believe it was intended for Demarcus Robinson. And while you're thinking to yourself, oh boy, I'm not sure how they're going to respond because here come the Bengals, right? Here comes Joe Mixon and here comes this rushing attack, which looked good. By the way, that's a conversation for later on in the episode. Mixon came in averaging 2.7 yards per carry, finished over five. So that's a problem. The interior defensive line, that's something we should discuss. But ultimately the Ravens responded and they were able to come back. And I just think and that's why I said at the top, this is a DNA defining win. And the quarterback has something to do with that. I think you're right. Like the in terms of if if the Ravens had ended up losing, it would have been, you know, Lamar needed to play better, you know, and, you know, Lamar's an MVP and he deserves to have his his off games, too. But that was a big momentum changer, that interception. And he did. He 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 let it sail a little bit. Uh, over to Demarcus Robinson, and then from that momentum change, uh, the the defense then proceeded uh, to give up really ten points ten points unanswered. First, it was the um, touchdown, and then the other. So then you know you come back out in the second half, and you're like, all right, let's go. And and then Lamar just his touch still wasn't there, and that's when he had the two overthrows. And um, I do love I do love when media ask Lamar about misplays because he's so, um, I guess he's the opposite of, of all of us that watch him and are so in awe of him. A lot of Lamar fans want to protect him, right? They want to protect him. And uh, I get that, but Lamar doesn't, Lamar doesn't protect himself. He owns up. And so the way he talked about, he's like, Oh my God, you know, I can't believe I, I, Missed that. He was like, I saw him wide open. There were two guys coming down. He's like, I just shot it. It was more straight and I need to put more air on it. So he knew, you know, he knew. And he never, first of all, he never throws a teammate under the bus, but he's, he's quick to like point to himself, which, which I love. So, um, so yeah, the, the momentum change started with his interception. And then when he had a chance to get it back, it didn't, it didn't quite get there. But this is what I love. And this is, you you referred to my tweet. I said, I want to see the 2022 Ravens respond to adversity because it wasn't going their way for quite a while there. And I wanted them to just put their foot in the ground and just say, no, this isn't happening. And I thought that while Lamar's touch wasn't there tonight, that final drive was excellent. And I say that because number one, yeah, yeah. He started off, he hit two kind of short throws to Mark Andrews. Those go for 15 yards, but he operated the clock Bobby so well in this two minute drill, which I love to see this veteran Lamar Jackson out there where you would see this time and time again with the Steelers, right? Where Ben Roethlisberger would not play well for three and a half quarters or the deep, the Ravens defense would, would hold them in check for three and a half quarters. But then you knew if he got the ball last, it, it usually meant trouble. So I, you, you want to see Lamar do those types of things to his division opponents that we saw Ben Roethlisberger do to the Ravens for years. And so, and he did it in such a smart way. He starts off with with the two two passes to Mark Andrews, 
And then he catches the Bengals with 12 men on the field. And that was massive. He was able to get the snap off, get get his guys in place, get those 12 men penalty, which, you know, moves the ball forward and gets time back on, on the clock. Not that they ended up needing it. Okay. So then he has then four rushes. One of them was a scramble, four rushes for 30 yards, including the massive 19 yarder where he kind of read this fake blitz where they they were showing like they were coming and then they backed off and as they back off Lamar attacks them up the middle and it's just like what other quarterbacks are you seeing with two minutes left who can just manage the clock like that hit his tight end and then and then take take care of business with his legs he got first down after first down after first down to drain the clock to do to the Bengals what the Bills did to the Ravens last week and just drain the clock to the point where you get you get the game winner. So so John Harbaugh was right. He says there's nobody like Lamar Jackson. He says there's great QBs in this league, but he'll take Lamar over everybody. I feel the same way. You know, Lamar does it different from everybody else. I wouldn't want it any other way. Just an excellent, excellent finish to redeem himself from earlier in the game. And Bobby, we haven't even mentioned that he set another NFL record tonight. <laughs> well, no, that's not true. He's the sixth quarterback. Sixth, sixth quarterback in NFL history to reach 4,000 rushing yards in a career. I guess the record is that he's the fastest QB to get there over anybody else. This was his thir- 63rd game. Took him 63 games to get to 4,000. Michael Vick, the second fastest, took him 87 games. So great, great finish from Lamar Jackson. All right, let's shift gears to Ronnie Stanley. Of course, he suited up and played in regular season football action for the first time in 392 days, Sarah. Obviously, the last being week one of the 2021 season when we saw him in that season opener on the road against the Vegas Raiders. And while he looked really good to start, if you ask me, mobile, strong, comfortable, like he belonged. Right after that opening drive, all of a sudden, a rotation, unbeknownst to us, right, watching the nationally televised audience, until John Harbaugh gave the in-game interview to NBC, we didn't know if it was a rotation, like a pre-planned rotation, because Patrick McCary came in for the second drive and much throughout the rest of the game, or, my goodness, dare I even say it, a setback based on what we saw last year, a premature return. So like part of the audience, I think you and I could probably both just read the tea leaves and and read the body language and the fact that no trainers were around him or anything like that. It was pretty obvious to us that it was a a rotation, a rehabbing pre-planned rotation, but we didn't know. And so, you know, ultimately John Harbaugh confirms indeed that it is a pre-planned rotation. And I don't know where you're at with this, Sarah, but I am completely fine with that. Like while you want to see him out there, obviously for four quarters and there was clearly a drop off when Patrick McCary initially came in and he was having a hard time with Trey Hendrickson initially. And then he settled down after a while. It, 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 I'm not even going to sit here and question the medical department, the training staff, because He's out there. He looked good. He looked like he belonged. And you know what? 
Dobbins seems to be getting his foot. I know it's completely different injuries, but they're going to continue to follow that process, that routine, and and make sure that all of the the t the eyes are dotted, the t's are crossed, and they're making sure that every single aspect of these guys' respective rehabs are being paid attention to. So, uh, again, great for Ronnie. I'm sure he is thrilled to be back out there. And I thought he looked good. What'd you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously you want to go back and look at the tape, but when you don't call his name or there's no, like, you know, egregious hold or sack or whatever, I mean, it just felt like when he was on the field, they were moving the ball. And I just have to imagine how Lamar Jackson feels. Like, I feel more comfortable with him out there. So how do you think Lamar Jackson feels when these guys are bearing down on him? I mean, the, the Bengals' defensive line – you know, were in his face. They were they were putting a lot of pressure on. So, yeah, no, I had not only did I have no problem with it. I think it was the right decision to have him on a rotation. I'm pretty sure they even did that for Marcus Peters in the very first game that he returned. Um, and and of course with J.K. Dobbins, because here's the thing: the most important thing about Ronnie Stanley was yes, you wanted to see that he could still play at a high level, and I think we saw that and again you need to go back and look at the tape to, to be sure but I think we saw that but what was even more important was that he finished the game feeling good and if you listen to him in the post-game locker room you know he's stoic as he always is but it was an emotional debut and he says and, and the reporters are asking like how did it feel to like finish and he's like yeah it felt great he's like the last time I was on the field he says, terrible, terrible things happen to me. So just like all the fans were wondering when he was doing the rotation, there was no, there was no announcement at, at first about whether it was a pitch count or not. Everybody's, it's, it's kind of like this, please don't let this nightmare happen again. And so Ronnie knew what the pitch count was, but I'm sure there could have been, as he's going in, just like, oh, please don't let this nightmare happen again. And he remembers it. Terrible, terrible things happened to me, he said. And so the fact that he's coming out healthy and he's feeling good and he's ready to go again and he got a win, what a day for Ronnie Stanley. You got to be happy for him. And the demons he had to overcome probably while doing so, just based on what he shared both after the game and then obviously a couple of weeks ago when he finally came out of hibernation to to speak with local reporters. You do got to be happy with him. And I, and I certainly echo your thoughts there. Okay, so let's review here real quick. So Justin Tucker, he hits from 37. Didn't go for it there. Obviously, on the fourth and four, they go for the 58-yarder instead of punting, so that's not really a decision there. Okay, so obviously the big one is just taking the points in the fourth quarter when they are at fourth and two. Fourth and two. Now, what's interesting is kind of Harbaugh put it in his offense's hands. Like, my initial thought was, oh, he just decided to take the points, which... Ultimately, they did, but he said that that whole delay of game, that wasn't just to try to, like, draw them off sides. He said that they, they gave, he gave them a play, and he said it was up to the players on the field of whether or not they would run it based on the look that they got from the Bengals. And so they didn't get the look they were wanting, 
And so the players on the field went ahead and took the delay of game, which obviously didn't hurt because you have Justin Tucker right there. So I thought that was interesting that, that, that he kind of put it in the players' hands there. What's most interesting about it is that you also tweeted about this, is that a week ago against the Bills, he goes with the analytics, and then a week later, he goes away from the analytics, which, which is interesting because he's often talked about the difference between and, and the decision that comes down between, okay, getting the information relayed from the booth into his headset regarding analytics. And we know the team that they have staffed underneath uh, within that umbrella that sit up there with Greg Roman in the booth. But then you combine that information, sometimes I'm sure of which can become an information overload. You combine that with your gut. And he often talks about that. And that is such a fluid process, Sarah. So something like I'm watching this unfold and I'm watching the NBC cameras cut to him and then cut back to Lamar and, and things of that nature. And I'm like, wow, is he, he's really in his head about this. Did you get that feeling too? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No, I didn't. And and I don't know. Maybe I wasn't. I, I don't know. Maybe I, I feel like. Especially when he revealed that he kind of put it in his in his players hands. It, yeah, no, I, I guess I didn't. I wasn't going down that road. And real quick, though, with with the analytics, when you say he went against the analytics. I'm looking at like the uh, fourth down decision bot and the fourth down decision bot says recommendation, which is strong field goal attempt because it was a plus 3.9 win percentage to go for the field goal. Maybe there are other analytics out there that said to go f- to to go for the touchdown. Oh yeah, I thought I had seen that since it was fourth and two just based on I thought Jonas Schaefer put something up about it that maybe I just glossed over it and didn't look at it thoroughly enough, but um just based on you know the decision last week in Buffalo to not take the points which I guess the analytics told you to take the points versus this week. I don't know. I, I based on what I saw online, it seemed as if that was what it was suggesting. So that's why I, I was kind of getting at like, wow, is he is there some internal conflict based on what's happened in the last week or so? Again, just totally a theory that I'm throwing out there with with no concrete evidence, just watching this unfold in, in the last week or so. Well, here's the thing. I 
here's why I don't think that that it that he would have been on the sideline trying to figure that out. Like, okay, it's it's obviously pretty clear Marcus Peters was upset that he didn't trust the defense last week with the fourth down decision. And they had team meetings about it. So there's no there's no doubt in my mind that John Harbaugh went in there unsure if he found himself in that position again. I, I'm guessing he spoke it through at length with his players and he spoke it through at length with his analytics team and other coaches and then even Steve Bashotti and all of that. I guarantee he has. I guarantee Steve Bashotti and him talked, you know, the day of, of, of when that happened. Um, Steve Bashotti calls him frequently. They, they talk to each other frequently. So, uh, no, I, I guess I just, because I know how John Harbaugh works and I've seen him work and I've seen him communicate and all that, he went into that game with a plan if he found himself in that position again. So, but maybe I'm missing that. Maybe I didn't see the shot that you're thinking of. So, but, but, but here's my thing. I, and I said this kind of at the top. Whether Harbaugh went for it or not, last week I do think he made the wrong decision, but I said this already. But even if he took the points, I didn't have faith in the defense that they'd make the stop. And so today he took the points, and then the Ravens, proceed, the Ravens defense proceeded to let the Bengals go down and score. And so I want to give this defense props for everything they did. To hold the Bengals to 17 points, I for sure would have been, if they hold them to 17, they're going to win, and they did. I thought they would have won by a bigger margin, but, you know, I would have thought 17 points, Ravens win. So the defense, in my view, really, really, along with Justin Tucker, helped save the day, especially while Lamar didn't have quite the touch on his throws. As we said, Lamar came back and did what he had to to win the game. So, but it's still, to me, it's still a question that if the game is on the line, you've got a fourth end goal. Do you go for the win with a touchdown or do you bet on your defense? And tonight, at first, I thought he bet on his defense. And now, after his quote, I'm like, well, I guess he didn't totally bet on his defense because he gave the decision to the players based on, on, on the look. So to me, as well as the defense played tonight, they still have yet to earn the trust in crunch time. That's still the lingering question. And this was a major step forward, keeping the Bengals to 17 points. And are you kidding me? I don't think there's any Bengals receiver. Nobody went over 50. Hayden Hurst got 53, the tight end as we all know, which I want to talk about him. He annoyed me, but I think you liked it. He annoyed me tonight. <laughs> we'll get to that. And then Joe Mixon's still under 78 yards. Joe Mixon's still under 78 yards. So the defense played lights out, but when it came to crunch time and they went with the points and decided to bet on the defense, they didn't show up there. And we're still, we still even got into the defense because I want to talk about all the great things that they did, but to me, that's still lingering. Whereas on the offensive side, they did gain some trust in the crunch, the, the, the crunch time department because Lamar Jackson led them 
all the way up to where they needed to be for Justin T Tucker to, to win the field goal. So obviously I already explained the question that remains on defense and then offense, the question that still remains, even though J Lamar Jackson led him on this game winning uh, field goal for Tucker, I still want to know if, if, if this 2022 Ravens unit can in crunch time go for the touchdown if that's needed and not a Justin Tucker kick. Those two questions still linger, and that's why I couldn't really hate John Harbaugh for betting on either one because, to me, still neither one of them has quite proven it yet in crunch time. You're not going to get any pushback from me there whatsoever. You're right. The, the defense has played, like I said, in, in recent weeks at the top, aside from ever since the, the Miami second half, they, they've put together performances that uh, has, has put the offensive unit and Lamar Jackson in a position to win games. That doesn't mean that they've been perfect. They weren't perfect tonight, uh, but they played well enough to win. And I think before we dive into some of the positive stuff, we should probably knock out what could end up being a major storyline in the course of how this defense uh, moves forward as a unit, specifically in the secondary, given Marcus Williams' significant injury that he's coming out of this game with that John Harbaugh has now confirmed is a dislocated wrist. He's expected to miss significant time. I guess that's the word here, the key word, significant, significant, significant. But mm -hmm. Sarah, it goes without saying, this is a, a, a huge blow. Someone who was an absolute splash signing in free agency by Eric DaCosta in this front office. He, going into today, was tied for the league lead in the takeaway turnover department. He is a dog, and this this hurts. And based on how much we saw of Geno Stone tonight, by the way, I don't know where this secondary and specifically where Mike McDonald is with Kyle Hamilton. I'm not sure they they trust him right now uh, to, to be – that guy that he's expected to be. And hey, it's early. I don't want to jump down his throat too much. Um, but this is this is concerning moving forward. Do you remember the specific play? Because I do not. Well, I know that he missed a couple plays before the end of the second half. And then he was officially declared doubtful in the second half. So it happened towards the end of the second quarter. But I don't know the exact play. Uh, but yeah, that's a dislocated wrist when John Harbaugh says he's going to miss significant time in my mind, I'm trying to, I just like to have expectations. So I'm not like killing my hope later on in my mind. That's like season ender. Now, if John Harbaugh comes back and he has an MRI and they say, well, maybe we can get him back towards the end of the season, then that would be great. But it's sounding like it could very well be a season ender. And to your point, I mean, this is the Ravens big free agent splash, right? I mean, and this is a guy who has been showing he was worth that free agent splash. All these turnovers, a true free safety. You know, you hope that Geno Stone can step up or Kyle Hamilton. But Kyle Hamilton, yeah, he's going he's gonna to have to grow up a lot faster. A lot faster. No more of these, these plays where there's blown coverages tonight. He had that, they call pass interference on him or a hold. I can't remember what it was. But and it, and it was, was in so such bad. That was not even close. Yeah. Wasn't even close. So you know, and Aiden like Hurst you said, like neither... took him to school, Sarah, right in the end zone. <laughs> yeah, and like you said, neither one of us are like throwing him under the bus or saying or like, I guess neither one of us are saying, okay, we're done with him because we're five weeks into the season. But and yeah, he's gonna have to grow up 
really, really quick. Cause this is a this is a big loss for who knows how much time. Maybe the season. All right, but let's let's keep this stuff moving. Let's finally get to let's give the defense the props that they deserve for what they've done. I, I don't know. Let, let's just pick them. Let's just pick one player each to talk about on defense that stood out to us. I guess I'll take Marcus Peters. I, I don't know what else to say, but he's a dog. He's a dog. The way he blew up Hayden Hurst on a screen play, I believe it was in the first quarter. And then he was massive, absolutely massive. And I do want to give the defense props on this because this was a crunch time stop. Stop. It, it was the, 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 they come up with a fourth down stop, I believe at the two yard line, but the Bengals were looking like they're about to score. And then Marcus Peters, John Harbaugh even said it wasn't like a call. He read it. And then it was on that trickery play where they kept flipping the ball back and forth. And I believe it was a receiver that finally special. had it. Maybe it was, oh, it was the Philly special. There you go. The Philly special and Lamar and, and, and P- Marcus Peters was like, no, not happening today. Not happening today. Blows it up in the backfield. They lose, I think, double digit yards um, to only set up. And I won't steal him because you may want to talk about another guy. But I mean, he was just, he was just, he just brings another energy. He brings another energy that is, um, you know, Ed Reed like. Do I want to put it on Ray Lewis level? Ray Lewis, man, he just, you know, I don't, I don't know. Nobody's, nobody's quite as loud as as Ray Lewis. But, but that type of thing, where, where it's just like, get on my back, and we're gonna ride this out, and we're gonna be great. And he just, he's, you know, he seems like a smaller, skinnier guy. But man, does he get in there? I mean, this this tight end that he takes business, takes care of. He comes with big hits. Uh, he wasn't perfect, but man, he was near perfect. He just brings the defense. He wills them to be great, and I think that's what last week was all about. He takes pride in what he does. He he showed that, and then he came back and he's like, "I'm going to prove it." He was massive tonight. All right, who do you and you can talk about Marcus Peters too? I don't want to steal him, but who else do you got on defense you want to give a shout out to? Yeah, yeah, I do want to give Juiceman a little bit of love before I get into my guy. But as he always says, like that edginess from Oakland, California shows up in the biggest moments, you know, and he just he's a savage. You know, he he's a dog, D-A-W-G, to use your term there. And he's a savage in all caps. And this defense is different when he's out on the football field. It just it has this. Like I said, it it has this edge to it. It has this um, this demeanor that I mean, look, we talked about the big three in our game preview, and and specifically, we're playing off of Marlins quote on Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. And now, while we didn't see much of Higgins tonight due to injury, that didn't mean that they didn't have other playmakers at Joe's disposal. Now, like you mentioned. You know, Hayden Hurst was the, the the leading playmaker in the receiving core for Cincy. He finished six of fifty three, six four fifty three. Jamar Chase was seven for fifty, and uh, Tyler Boyd was three for thirty two. The amount of shadowing and ball hawking and harassing that I watched tonight from Marcus to Jamar Chase, he was up in his grill. Sarah, they gave a heavy dose of of Marcus's assignment for for Jamar Marlin was with him as well they had a great I thought they had a great zone 
coverage type of plan that was that was instituted this week by Mike McDonald and company. And they just kept him honest. You know, they, they, they kept him honest. And I don't want to go too, too long because you just gave a bunch on Marcus. So I'll go quickly here with mine. And that's Jason Pierre-Paul. I think he has totally exceeded expectations for what I personally thought. I knew you you from the jump were like, he's, he's going to come in and play. And I'm like, what? He's coming off rotator cuff surgery. Like he hasn't played preseason. He hasn't played you know, training camp football, like nothing. He's got nothing under his belt. And to his credit and to your credit for kind of forecasting this, 50 snaps against Buffalo in his first game action as a Raven. He was disruptive, but I mean, disruptive was taken to a new level tonight, batted down footballs, a sack pressure um, just shows you that he's still got some left in the tank on the edge there, Sarah. And I think, you know, while again, Joe Mixon having the success he did on the ground tonight, 5.6 yards per carry comes in with a season average of 2.7. Some of that has to be you know, looked at in the, in the interior part of the defensive line. But I think JPP has been a pleasant surprise and certainly a, a welcome sight for a group that needed him. Yeah, and I think that they'll, uh, like, I'm fine with that with, with Mixon because it was very clear with the way Jamar Chase last year was just like, the, I mean, the, the Bengals said it was easy. It was easy against the Ravens. Uh, even in the first matchup, uh, and granted, Peter Stills wasn't out there, but they were like, they are not going to beat us over our heads. And that's what that's what they had to do. And I thought Mike McDonald had a great gl- uh, game plan, which you alluded to, where it was like they just kept having to dink and dunk. And 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 that, here's and this stat shows that next gen stats said Joe Burrow averaged the fewest air yards per attempt in a game in his career. So his air yards. Four, 4.0. And he was blitzed at the lowest rate in a game in his career. The Ravens only only blitzed him 2.7% of the time. And then he didn't uh, complete his only deep attempt. The Ravens were not allowing that. So you take your Joe Mixon little runs, okay? Take those, take your, you know, they had some success with some of their screens, their wide receiver screens, some running back screens. All right, but but the Ravens, to their credit, never let anything go big. They never let up massive, massive yak yards, and they sur- sure as heck didn't let Joe Burrow go over their hit their heads to to go deep. So I love that. And then JPP, listen, the dude's come back from a ne- neck injury. <laughs> And he's had part of his hand blown off and he keeps coming back from all these things. I'm like, you put that together along with Raven's desperation. Yeah, he's going to play. Now, I didn't know he was going to play this well. I mean, he has the sack. He had those back-to-back deflections at the line of scrimmage. I thought he uh, sealed uh, the edge pretty well. Uh, Odafe Owe, I thought, did pretty decent with that too, although I'm sure film will show some stuff getting through. So way to go, JPP. And we need to give a shout-out to Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen dropped two interceptions in two previous games all week long. He'd been working with tennis balls. He's like on the jugs machine. And then, you know, in the past, what was nice is like, okay, Patrick Queen is finally in the right position on the, on pass coverage. Now can he bring it in? And then he did it. And it's poetic justice for him because it comes against his former LSU teammate and Joe Burrow those guys, we all know the stories. They trash talked at 
in practice back in the day. And sometimes it seemed like it really did get heated up. So good for Patrick, Patrick Queen bouncing back. And so the name of the game for him now is to be consistent. But, but that, that, that interception uh, that he got, I believe, led to three points. Uh, so not only does it stop, you know, whatever potential scoring, but I'm pretty sure they scored three points off of that. I'll, I'll double check it, but, uh, but a shout out to him. Yes, sir. I don't want to take away from, from what queen did. Cause he absolutely had an impact. And the way you just, the way you just described that essentially that could be one of the differences of the game because that led to three points. So, you know, they obviously won by, by two points, but, um, you know, one thing we both know about Patrick given how much time we spend on social media is that uh, he, he tends to be very, very sensitive. He reads a lot of stuff online. He blocks people that don't agree with him or that criticize him. And I get it. You know, it's, it's tough to, to consume all of that. And, and it is easy to get disgruntled. You and I have both since taken over as, as partners, we've been subject to some of that as well on a much smaller level. But you know what I want to see from him instead of like he makes the interception and proceeds to run the entire way down the field all the way to the sideline cam, which is where you go for the turnover cam, I guess it's called. And he's he's got his his finger up towards his mouth, essentially, you know, the, the sh sign, right? The sh sign. And I'm like and obviously it's like quieting his doubters and all that. And I'm sure it felt great. What I want to see from him, because he didn't have a perfect game. He still misses far too many tackles in space. And the angles that he takes is just far, far too inconsistent. It leads to chunk plays. I want to see him have tunnel vision for all that stuff. Shut down the apps. Don't look at all that stuff. Like if that's, if that's what gets you up on Sundays, like try and channel that energy elsewhere. I want him to just be more focused on becoming the linebacker that he's supposed to be. And again, I don't want to make it seem like this is raining on Patrick's parade because because he had a good game. And that's that was a huge, huge interception in the vision. He, he read that the entire way. You could tell that he knew his former teammate, his former locker mate. He knew exactly where he was going there. He dropped back in coverage and he was there to snag that, which was designed, uh, intended for Jamar Chase. But I just want to see him get to where he needs to be. And I feel like, Sarah, he's got so much noise in his head, so much that he consumes on a daily, weekly basis. Like, get rid of that stuff and become a healthier <laughs> up in the mental space. Like, it would just go so far, I feel like, for a guy who really does consume a lot of it and it affects him, I think. Yeah, so it's funny. I have gotten into more intense debates with my husband than it, there should be when it comes to celebrating on the field. He's... He's a, he's a, I mean, you have to know my husband's personality. Like his personality is like a, it's like a Mark Andrews, like just to act like you've been there before. Right. Which I also love that. I have, I just have no problem with people celebrating uh, at, at all because they put their lives into this. They can only be on this, this, this world stage 17 times. So I don't mind that part, but where I do think we do agree is is turn yeah turn off the social media because if you're blocking people there's some people that can go on social media and it doesn't bother them but if you're blocking a lot of people it usually means it does bother you and so if if this is bothering you to the point that you got to block people I don't I don't know about you Bobby I don't think I've again it's a much much lesser degree but I don't think I've ever blocked anybody not yet 
I wonder if I have. I don't think I have. If I have it, I don't think it's on purpose. I have muted a couple of people, though. I will say that. But but like if you're getting to the point where you're blocking people, to me, that is a sign that it's getting to you, that it's bothering you, that you can't you can't handle hearing it. And I get that. There's days that I have to have social media fasts, right? Where I'm just like, I need to be done with social media. It's just too negative. And I like that negativity just starts to seep into seep into like the energy environment where you're at. So I'm with you. Just turn it off. Just turn it off. Focus on it. All of that. Um, and then that way you're not worrying about blocking anybody or worrying about what they're saying or anything like that. Like some when it's starting to get to you, it's just better just to be like, I'm done. And there's so many players that just don't even look during the season. And it's not a bad way to go. So one other guy I do want to give a shout out to, Clayus Campbell. He read that shovel pass on the fourth down stop. Uh, so did Mar- Marcus Peters, by the way. He was in there. Uh, so he blocked that down. He said in the post game that he actually wishes he could have, you know, intercepted it. Uh, but that was a massive, massive play from a veteran. So, so just all around, great play by the defense. Minus the after the fourth down, take the points. I want to see them finish out a game and and just make a stop. But we're we're taking not just baby steps. I think today was a big, big step for the defense. Massive after what's happened to them in the past. All right, so we're going to go ahead and finish this up in just one second. But I do. Okay, for those that don't know, background, Bobby texted me about Hayden Hurst. Uh, it was after Hayden Hurst's touchdown and he waved to the crowd. He annoyed me on that. I didn't enjoy that. He has the right to do it. He can do whatever he wants. He scored. It was against his former team. It's like one of those revenge games. Like, had Steve Smith done something like that when he went to the Panthers? All that kind of stuff. We ate it up, right? On this side of it, listen, I got nothing but, you know, love for Hayden Hurst. Although, I don't for the Bengals right now. So, we we don't want them winning a lot. But Hayden Hurst, it's a good dude. He's overcome a lot. He's doing a lot of good stuff for those that are struggling with um, different mental illnesses. So he's got a lot going on. But when he did that, he annoyed me, but it seemed like you liked it. What's up with that? I don't know. You already know where I'm going with this, Sarah. I don't have any problem with it. Maybe it's just because like you, I, I really love Hayden Hurst. I'm just a Hayden Hurst guy. I think he's super talented. I love his luscious red flow and he's just <laughs> I don't know I, I had no problem with it I thought it was a hey remember me you know the uh your former first round pick in in 2018 don't forget about me harmless harmless I think this is a good place to go ahead and end it we we got to the point where we said luscious red flow so this is the point where it is now 1 30 a.m and we'll close this thing up that was that was a perfect ending okay coming up next for the ravens by the way they will travel to the new york giants let's be careful about that turf we don't need any more injuries and then week seven cleveland Browns. so they have an opportunity here you know to try to pick up some wins build some momentum keep getting you know players more and more and more healthy we'll see where gus edwards is at all that type of stuff but once again let's just leave this on a great note that it is the Ravens pick up the division lead. They li- they live there solely atop with the three and two lead over all the others. It could be better with those 21 and 17 point uh, leads that, that were blown. But hopefully as we look back, those will become learning moments that when crunch time comes, when they're in big moments that they won't ever let up going forward. So. Why don't you keep it locked in right here? We've got lots coming up. Obviously, this after this post game, we'll be back after John Harbaugh's Monday press conference with all the news that you need to know. 
On behalf of myself and my partner, Bobby Trossett, thank you for tuning in, as always, to the Ravens Vault.